All the best Thank to you. you. That's the kind of encouragement you need when you stand up. It's very hot. Good luck. All the best. We're sitting down in the nice shady area over there. I was actually thinking, um, this is my um, saving grace. It's filled with ice water, so if I drink it, it's not for a dry mouth. It's just to cool off. But maybe if sweat does start to develop somewhere, let's consider it success, not failure, that I am that invested in my message that as that starts to develop, you go, this guy believes this stuff. He's that keen. He's not preserving any of his reputation for anything. And uh, it is an exciting message. We're talking today about, uh, in a sense, our vision. Uh, what do we believe about who we are and, and what we uh, are called to do as a community? And um, it should be quite easy for Christian communities to do Vision Sundays. Um, I historically used to get in quite a sweat about Vision Sundays because when I first got into ministry many, many years ago, I found myself thinking, I need to generate something amazing and impressive that wows everyone so that people go, yo, I want to be part of that. And as the years have passed and as I've looked at Scripture more and more and more and submerged myself in the story of Jesus, the more I've realized that it's not mine. <laughs> it's such a relieving feeling when you realize that you don't need to, as a church leader, stand up and go, here is this powerful vision that's going to blow you away, and you will be so delighted to be part of Common Ground Church because Roger cast the best vision ever. Actually, the vision has already been cast. Just over 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ came into the planet, and he revealed to the world that he wasn't just the king of the world, but he was the creator of the world. And he came in such immense love that he showed that he had creator rights, that he was the redeemer, that he came to the world he created, that humankind had kind of turned their backs on the creator God, had gone their own way, and he said, you know what, that's not enough to stop me loving you. Just because you turn your back, I will move towards you. And in amazing grace, he comes to reestablish himself as heaven and earth's true king and to give humanity a second chance. And he keeps talking about this kingdom that is coming, this kingdom that has arrived in Jesus, that is going to bring redemption and power and strength and restoration to humanity. And Jesus says in a few places, most famously in Matthew chapter 28, when he's about to depart, he says, I have all authority. Hey, you, you question my authority? Just look what just happened. I showed myself in my life to be the one who could, you know, basically calm the seas. I showed myself to be the one who could take a shriveled arm and cause it to, to come alive. I showed myself to be the one who could take two lo a few loaves and a few fish, and I could turn it into food for everyone. I am the God you've been waiting for. And then he says, but most remarkably, I showed myself on the cross in that I turned the world upside down. I showed that love and power and prestige is meant to be used for service. And he brings a kingdom that says, I defeat darkness and sin and Satan and death, not through power and thrones, but through love and sacrifice. And he says, if that's not enough, the reason I've got all authority in heaven and on earth is because three days later, I rose again and I showed that there is not even the power of death that can beat me. And the new kingdom to come is standing right in front of you in my resurrected bodily form. And his disciples are going, wow. 
And he says, if that's not enough, not only am I resurrected, I am going to, in a couple of days' time, I'm going, but I'm going to send you power. And you're going to live empowered lives. And you're going to be kings and priests on this earth. And you're going to live out my kingdom mandate to bring that kingdom to the world. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he assures them, he says, and surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. I'm going nowhere. I'm right here with you. And I'll come back and my kingdom will be established. A new heavens and a new earth. That's your vision. Vision Sunday over. Got enough? Thank you. We don't need vision. What we do need, however, is a little bit of ownership. I don't think the question is, is there a vision? The question is, one, do you know it? You know, do you know what Jesus has called you to? Do you know the basic tenets of, of the gospel? If you're new to faith, you've been dragged along by a buddy uh, or a family member, great to have you. I'd love to, over the next while, keep explaining the gospel so that you can understand the world in which we live and what we as Christians believe. What I just shared is, is a bit of that. But one of the major differentiators between people who live in the vision and people who don't is not always whether they know it, It's whether they own it, whether it's actually theirs. I told this famous story that uh, uh, I think it was about two or three years ago, and I get get told it every time, and it's become a bit of a Vision Sunday story for me, but um, it was President John F. Kennedy, 1961. He goes to visit NASA, and uh, NASA was obviously, they were trying to, you know, do all kinds of amazing things. And as he's walking through the corridors of NASA, he sees a janitor mopping the floor. And he gets to this janitor and he says, what are you doing here so late? you meant to be at home with your family. And he carries on mopping and he says, I'm sending a man to the moon, sir. Wow. The janitor saw that his cleaning the floor was connecting the story of NASA to getting a man on the moon. I just love that story because it tells of a group of people who were just trying to get a man on the moon. They weren't even connected to the story of Jesus, to the resurrected Savior who was calling people to bring his kingdom to earth. It was just a boring old task like getting to the moon. We get to be part of this majestic story called the kingdom of God. And we get to bring the God story to humanity. That's our vision. That's what we call to. And I suppose my question is, have you owned it? Is it yours? If we're looking for a little catchphrase, here's the catchphrase that we go with in Common Ground to say, hey, what do we do? What are we owning? If you come to a Common Grounder and he's sweeping the floor and you say, what are you doing here so late? Well, I'm part of filling up my heart and filling this city or this world with the life of Jesus. That's what we're up to, filling our hearts and filling our city with the life of of Jesus. It's not too complicated, but it's, it's really just straight from Scripture. All authority has been given to Jesus. Now go, make disciples. Disciples. You see, this is a quite an important one. Are you guys listening up there? Igniters? I'm impressed. There's a lot of silence. When I was your age, it wasn't as quiet and it wasn't as still. We used to say, we're a community that is trying to fill the city with the life, the message, the fame of Jesus. And you might notice there's a little subtle addition. 
We've added this little part, to fill our hearts and our city or our world with the life of Jesus. Why do we do that? Let me suggest one important thing. We've learned over the last two years, thanks to COVID. There's a lot we can thank COVID for, but none more than this. You can't give what you don't have, right? You, you can't give it if you don't have it. That's what COVID taught us. I can't give COVID if I don't have COVID. You can't give. You guys are staring at me blankly. Where is he going with this? I'm talking about a disease called COVID. And we were told over and over, put your mask on. But the main reason is because you might have it. What I'm hoping is that we've all got it. You see, you can't fill the world with the message of Jesus, with the life of Jesus, unless your heart is full of it. It's just impossible. And so often, I think the church has been sent out, like kind of go do this thing. And I think it eventually came to the point where we used to go drop pamphlets in people's post boxes because we were too scared to fill our hearts with the message, to let Jesus go deep into us, to make us actual disciples who reveal the fact that actually to follow Jesus is the very best option for humankind, that it's what actually changes us into the flourishing people we were meant for. We were meant to be. To, to follow Jesus is to find what your soul has been looking for all its life. There is no other better alternative. The truth of the story is that Romans 1 says, we chase after other things, created things like our careers, like cash, like a companion, whatever else it may be. But they never satisfy. The creation can't satisfy like the creator in Christ can. And so that's the primary call. And so one of the things we've said is we want to first fill our hearts whilst we fill our city. We want to do both at the same time. Fill our hearts and fill our world with the message, with the life of Jesus. And this happens in our homes, our schools, our beaches. Our, and and it's, it's relational. We're building relationships. We're building bridges of relationship with our city, with our world to help this message come to the world. So what do we do? Let's do it together. We are here to fill our hearts and our city with the life of Jesus. Okay, look to the person next to you. I'll say one, two, three, and you tell them at the same time like you mean it, even if you don't. <laughs> one, two, three, two, and our city with the life of Jesus. One day you will say it like you mean it. But somehow repetition tends to work. We want to fill our hearts and we want to fill our world, fill our city with the life of Jesus. Not just a story, the life, the person of Jesus who cares about all the real details of your life and wants to bring them into flourishing. And you can't give what you don't have. And so we're on a journey of filling our own hearts. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to pull off this beautiful vision of filling our hearts and our city with the life of Jesus? Now I'm going to do a little more repetition. Here it goes. I'll take it out of Mark chapter 3, verse 14, which uh, says Jesus said this about his disciples. Well, or Mark says this about uh, how he called his disciples. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. We do three things in living out this vision. This is the three hows. Presence, which is to be with Jesus. Notice that. He appointed them that they might be with him. Formation, 
which is about uh, becoming like Jesus. He calls his disciples to him. Do you know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? It doesn't mean someone who you know, ticks Christian when you've got those various options when you're uh, filling out a form. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be an apprentice. If you want to be an apprentice plumber, you go walk with another plumber and you learn his skill until you are as good as him. That's what an apprentice is. That's what a disciple is. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be formed into the image of Jesus, is to walk with him until you become like him. You're as able to forgive as he is able to forgive. You are as loving and present to the broken and the lost and the hurting as he is. You are as uh, gentle and tender to the person that you hate the most as the person you love the most. You're learning to love your enemies. You're learning to be courageous and, and share the love of Jesus with other people. You are being transformed into his image. That, that's what formation is about. And then the final one is mission. Not only are we being changed into his image, but we actually are called to love the world the way Jesus calls us to love the world, with the message and the mercy of Jesus. There we go. Presence, be with, formation, become like, and mission is to love like Jesus loves. So that's how we're going to do it. Where do I get this? Straight out of Scripture. The Scriptures are just filled with Old and New Testament. God calling a people to be with Him. There's a remarkable thread throughout the Old and the New Testament that God is so different to every other God. Every other God says, you do this, and they get angry and furious from the clouds. And the God of the Bible comes in and He says, I will be with you. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will live amongst you. Jesus in Matthew 28 said, and surely I will be. Okay, let's try that. I know it's hot. I will be with you to the very end of the age. He is a God who is present, and he wants us to be present to him. If we are going to fill our hearts and our city or our world with the message, the life, the fame of Jesus, then we're going to become a people who are present to God, who aren't so fast and furious and busy and uh, just running around trying to accomplish our own thing that we can't slow down and see the work of God in the world, in our own hearts, to actually be aware of the very presence of God. And not only that, to be present is also to be present to one another. We're called to be uh, priests who actually represent God to one another. That's why COVID was such a, a mess up for the church, because we've learned to be not present to each other and think we're still doing it. We learned to go online and say, cool, church is happening. Church wasn't happening. Because the primary aspect of church is to be present, to be little reflections of Christ who came and dwelt. He incarnated. He dwelt amongst us. You can't be the church through a screen. You kind of can from time to time. It's doable but one-way watching is information. Two-way interaction becomes transformation. It becomes revelation. You begin to see God as you listen. As you listen to Mark praying and sharing the story and watching him become emotional as he shares about his own son and the feelings he feels towards his own father relationship with God, you go, that is what I need. That's what I'm longing for. That's what it means to be present to God and to others. Formation is to be changed, like I mentioned. Mission is to realize that we are sent ones, that we're called by God on a mission to love people. Now, I'm, 
not totally convinced we're meant to fill letterboxes with handouts. Can work. Or to walk around the mall and give perfect strangers our, you know, handouts. Fine, I'm not judging you. But it does seem like the, the way Jesus called disciples was to move relationally into the world, to build bridges of relationship across which there was growing trust. And in those growing trust relationships could be carried greater and greater weights of truth that could bring people towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to love people into understanding the kingdom of God. John Stott says of the early church, they outloved and they outthought their world. What if that could be said of our community, that we outloved and we outthought our world? We didn't just let uh, kind of popular psychology dominate our thinking. We actually went deep into the topics that we believe and began to get an understanding of why we believe what we believe. And we, with love, bring it to the world that is asking so many questions of why the anxiety, why the depression, why the fracture in my relationships. Oh, let me show you. Let me take you on a journey to understanding this gospel message. Let me help you understand the cultural world in which we live and how Jesus can be applied to that. Presence, formation, and mission, all bound together through relationships. Jesus never, very seldom, made any big commissions to one individual. Once to Peter, he says, hey, you go feed my sheep. But the majority of his commissions are to a group of people who are building relationships that could become a missional network of love and transformation. That's why all of these presence, formation, mission are going to be expressed through growing relationship. Not perfect. Some of you are brand new going, I don't think I could like any of these guys. Look at them. But trust me, there's some decent people here. And as you start to spend time and build relationships with each other, there'll be a growing sense of presence, formation, and mission starting to happen. Look at this. I'm succeeding. It's working. Round of applause to me. You guys at the back can't quite see it. If you can, then it's real success. Did you guys see the exciting journals under your, under your chairs? This is our gift to you. I was trying to plan like an Oprah moment, you know. If you look under your seats, you can get. And then I realized they're brown, you know, journals. But inside, there's a really exciting handout, and uh, it kind of explains a little bit of our vision. And uh, the journal is exciting because I think that uh, the stats speak for themselves around anyone who has a journal tends to grow in their understanding of God's journey in their life, tends to grow in presence, formation, and mission much more remarkably than people who don't put pen to paper along their journey. I want to spend a few moments just... Uh, talking a little deep. I'm going to give you four quick things that we're going to prioritize in this year to come that fit under our presence formation mission. Presence formation mission is basically the thing that we're going to do for the next 30 years. That's how we live out this vision. But there's a few specifics that I want to talk about into this year that we as a, a leadership team have just felt. But before I do that, one piece of exciting news. It's a little sidebar, but I think it's helpful. Common Ground Church, uh, you may know it, is I think now nine, maybe ten congregations across our city. Did you know that? And um, we share all our best resources, ideas, thinking, planning, collaboration, and it is a massive, massive gift to us. And none of that's about to change. So that's good. Yoo-hoo! 
However, as a congregation, or different congregations across the city, we've all grown in, in beautiful and wonderful ways, and we've become aware of our need to basically empower each local congregation just to help them become more nimble and uh, serve the context as best they possibly can. So, whilst Common Ground is going to maintain that sense of being a tight family of churches, over the next year, we are going to be transitioning from being a, a, a community of congregations to a tight family of churches. And over the next year, we're going to be doing a few things that uh, really won't affect anyone in this room, but it's good for you to be aware of. We're going to be in the process of having our own or creating our own bank account, having our own constitution, um, building our own website, and, uh, and, and things like that. Nothing will really change for any of us, but what it does mean is that uh, as the years pass, we have a little bit more um, ability to live out the nimble mission and nuance our journey. That said, all the beauty of shared resourcing, shared leadership, shared partnership is staying exactly the same, but it's just good for you to be aware of some of the background story. Cool? Yeah. So what's under the surface of Presence Formation Mission? What's 2022? What's, you know, you don't want leaders living out a generic thing we came up with a few years ago. What do we sense for this uh, year to come? Four things, pretty simple. Here they go. First one, evangelism. Evangelism. We feel like God putting some fresh energy under us around evangelism. Now, evangelism is something that Jesus called us to. I read it, Matthew chapter 28. Go make disciples. I don't know about you. Have you heard people complaining about a church before? You know, something that a church does. I know nobody complains about our church, but other churches, you know. Our church makes no mistakes, right? Wrong. But, you know, oh, the kids' ministry. Oh, oh the, the worship's just a little too loud. Oh, it's a little too quiet. Oh, it's a little this. You know, the, the, there's always things. The preaching, oh, that guy, he sweats a lot when he preaches. Jeez, I just wish he didn't do that. Or, or the leaders. There's so many things. I've never heard anyone go, that church, they're just too evangelistic. They just love people far from God way too much. I'm out. Ever heard that? No, you're very seldom going to hear that. And it's not uh, uh, necessarily a good thing. I would love the thought that we as a community start to find ourselves learning to become a little more passionate, a little more caring towards people who are far from God. I'm talking about even just our colleagues, our friends. I'm not asking us necessarily to build uh, friendships with perfect strangers, although that could be a powerful thing to start at. I'm talking about being accused like uh, the, the church in Acts chapter 5 verse 28 where it says, here you have filled this city with your teaching." Imagine Common Ground Church gets accused of being filling this city with our teaching. We're not trying to take over. It's not a hostile takeover. It's one life at a time. It's love and friendship, building friendship to the point that we can have conversation and make invitation. Have conversation and make invitation. As you're going through this little booklet, maybe you want to circle something. Write a few names down. Which friends and family are you not only called to love, but also to pray for and invite? Write it down. This journal's yours. No one's looking at it. Write it down. Some names of people. There's a few pens if, uh, or pencils at the bottom of your chairs. If there aren't, pass them down. And uh, write down some names of people this year 
Hey, we were at a game lodge. We got this beautiful gift to be at a game lodge. And I bumped into an old school friend. And uh, we started chatting. After two days, I found myself going, my goodness, I have nothing to offer you except the gospel. And so I said to him, dude, all you've shared with me, all I can feel is that I've got something and, uh, that, that, that you need so badly. I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor, you know that, but I'm not a pastor for nothing. I, I really believe in the message. And, and I know you're going to the UK, but I've got some amazing friends in the UK, in fact, family members who I know would love to connect with you. Would, would you possibly be open to me you know, connecting you guys up when you get back? He messaged back. It was all on WhatsApp because I, thanks to my daughter, as we were leaving, she said, Dad, I think you should get his number. <laughs> so I was like, you're probably right, Josie. So I got his number. Anyway, and we're messaging. And you know what he said back? This is testament to next, not me. He said, well, if they've got as much love as you and your family, then I'd love to meet them in, in the UK. And they've swapped numbers, and they're connecting, and he's going to arrive, and hopefully they'll connect. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm not trying to fill our church with people. I'm trying to fill this world with the life of Jesus. And I wonder if we could do the same, looking out, who are we connecting with? Which people could we be helping find Jesus? Hey, the second priority is not just evangelism, but, but cross-cultural community, that we are finding ourselves learning to LOL. What does LOL stand for? Lots of love. It stands for laugh out loud, and it stands for learning to love people who live different to us, who own differently to us, and who look different to us. They own different stuff, they look different to us, and they live different to us. We all look different to each other, so it's a good start, but, but if the call is to find ourselves looking around the world and saying, how do we build the kind of community, not that reflects some political agenda, we're not taking our cue from any politics, we're taking our cue from the kingdom to come, we're taking our cue from uh, Ephesians, which talks about the fact that Jesus is our peace, and he's made the two groups, the two you know, different race groups, ethnic groups, he's destroyed the barrier, he's made them one and he's destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. We live in a very hostile world. We live in a world that says, if I'm this color, I could never go to that church. If I look like this, if I earn like this, if I own this much, then I'm meant to be here. We are saying a big end to that. And you know how we're going to fix it? Around our dining room table. We're going to fix it around the bride. We're going to fix it in our friendships. Meals and moments spent with people who look different, who live different, who own different, and we are not just going to cursorily laugh and wave and say, I hope you will. We are going to include people. Do you know that uh, the opposite of xenophobia is xenophilia? That's what Romans chapter 12 talks about when it says love of strangers. Hospitality is a love for strangers. People who look different, who live different, who own different, we say, you know what? I love you and I want you in my space and I want to learn about you and I want you to teach me how to love. Sound good? Write it down. Write names down. Who are people? What's the low-hanging fruit in your life to build those relationships? Who are you walking past every day as you drop your kids off? Who are you walking past every day as you get into the office? You're greeting them. You know their name, but next is an invitation. Next is a moment. This is not about just filling our church with multiculturalism. This is about the kingdom of God that's going to spill over beyond that. Multi-generational. 
multi-generational. We feel like this year we want to be the kind of community who extends ourselves into the generations that maybe are just a little thin. I'm not going to spend too much time, but Ignite and Frequency, are you there still? Good. This is your year. This is your year. We want to put energy into 14 to 30-year-olds. We feel like God has called us to fill more of our energy and time with that kind of grouping. I know there's other groups, but you know what? We're finding ourselves saying, let's put some time. Let's put some energy. When Jesus said, let the children come to me, he was pushing back on his disciples who had some cultural expectations of who was and wasn't acceptable in different age brackets. I don't know what it is in your life, but my question at this time of year is to go, which bracket do you want to invest in? Not just in our ministries and our church, but just building relationship. Maybe it's mentoring. Maybe it's finding, if you're 60, finding a 35-year-old with young kids and going, I want to walk with you. I want to love you. I want to help you do the things as a mom or a dad that I just never did. And just walk and just journey and, and build relationships with people across the generations. Which age or stage of life are you praying for and how might it, uh, you participate in its flourishing this year? And then last one, nearly done. I really am sweating. Ministry contribution. It's remarkable how when the early church started, in those first few decades, do you know what people said of the early church? They said, you guys are atheists. Do you know that? They, they accused the early church of atheism. You know why? Because they had no priests. They had no temple. They met in all kinds of random places. They had no major rituals. All they really did was break, you know, eat a meal together, which was called the Lord's Supper. It wasn't as formalized as ours. They would break bread together. They would sip some wine together. So it looked like they were having a meal together. And yet, the world was astounded at how mobilized they all were. They didn't have big auditoriums like this. They were meeting in small homes, just like our life groups, and they were encouraging each other to all bring their gifts and their unique contributions to make sure that the kingdom of God was a different place than any other place in the world. It was a place of love and beauty and deep conviction. It was a place where the life of Jesus seemed to be all over. We live in a very consumeristic world where now we accuse other people of atheism. And maybe it would be good for us to find ourselves going, you know what? Actually, my contribution is crucial. The story of the gospel, Matthew chapter 19. Uh, oh, sorry. Take that. Pretend that verse isn't there. It's meant to say 1 Peter 2 verse 5. I didn't change that. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. This is not one priest, this is not one preacher, this is not one life group leader. This is a whole group of people who look up at Jesus and say, you're the only priest, who look into themselves and go, I am called to be part of this priesthood and realize I have gifting. You have gifting. What, is, what are your gifts? Here's how you discover your gifts. They're things that you find easy to do that other people look at you and go, how do you do that? Now, they don't need to be super fancy. Look at the list of spiritual gifts. They are so ordinary. Serving, teaching, encouraging. Wow. Do you know that I look at guys like Brent and Yiska? They have the gift of serving. It is remarkable. I look at them and my jaw hits the ground every time. I'm like, you guys just make serving and loving look so easy. And you know, Brent looks at me and he goes, 
I don't know how you find stuff to say all the time. You've always got something to say. He's like, don't ever make me do that because I don't want to do that. That's what gifting is about. It's about going, what are some of the things that you do fairly easily that other people maybe struggle with? Because the list of spiritual gifts doesn't exclude us and go, you know what, I don't ever need to encourage because I don't have the gift of encouragement. I've got the gift of cynicism. So I just love cutting people down. That's not how it works. All of these things are like, we all meant to have base level bit of everything, right? So don't cut, get yourself off the hook. But some of these things just come a little more naturally to some of us. And the thing is to ask, not just what ministry am I going to get involved in this year, but what gift has God put in me that I could contribute because we are never wanting to be the kind of church that just fill seats with butts. How boring of a vision. I'm so stoked. People go, yay, our church is growing. Yay, new faces. Hooray, I'm so happy. But unless those faces are turning into stories, are turning into people who are saying, you know what? I have been given gifts, and I am called by God to bring something, not just to this community, but from this community to the world, to bring the kingdom of God, to cause flourishing in the world. I'm missing out. I'm not doing what I'm called to do as a Christian. We are saying a massive no in the words of my kids. Big no when I ask them to do stuff they don't want to do. This is how it goes. No, thank you, Dad. To just filling up auditoriums and to filling up meetings without a big yes to being people who contribute, who encourage. Maybe your gift is encouragement. You need to pitch up at stuff and encourage, for goodness sake. Not me, just everyone. Let's encourage one another. Whatever your gift may be, leading. There's some dormant gifts of leadership here. really want to speak to you today. Maybe you're afraid to lead. You're nervous. Maybe the best place to start is get into a life group. Look at your life group leader and say, how can I help you? How can I make your life a joy? Because the best leaders are the best followers. And I want to call you this year. If you're a gift of leadership, you're doing such amazing stuff in the marketplace, and you arrive at church and you sit, I want to call you to stand up and bring your contribution and start to make the leaders around you, make their lives a joy, and you'll be amazed at the kind of thing that you could start seeing happen, not just through your life, but actually into this world. We're going to listen to a story and uh, while you listen to this story, I want to ask you to close your eyes and just listen out for the gifts. Uh, this story is a kind of uh, take on what's happened in the years past in the life of our community. It's a tiny sampling, and it's been tweaked for the sake of, um, what would you call it, anonymity. And uh, I just want you to listen, and I want you to let God speak to you as you realize that actually that's not a story. This is our story. And the band are going to come up and just maybe you want to close your eyes and just enjoy it. And you can use your journal to fan yourself. It's always a very helpful thing. <laughs> and just listen. Maybe you want to look at this spiritual gifts list and see how many of those are expressed through this story. But let's just take a moment as uh, the story is shared. The tragedy of a family losing a loved one falls upon a couple in the community. Without a thought, the friends in the life group are mobilized by those with the gift of serving and administration to organize a meal roster. They have meals for days. A few tender friends are immediately close to the family, praying with and offering a listening ear and a shoulder to cry on. The gift of mercy is unleashed. While this grief is unfolding, early one morning, a member of the church who seldom misses his time in prayer and scripture is inexplicably heartbroken in his quiet place of prayer. 
without fully understanding why, he is in tears, feeling a sense of loss that he imagines someone else might be feeling. It's only two Sundays later that he's at the front of church, available to pray for anyone who needs prayer, when this grieving couple comes asking for prayer. As he hears the story, the memory of his prayer time comes flooding back and he asks when the tragedy happened. He pulls out his journal, which happens to be with him, and he shows the couple the date. He was in tears for reasons he could not explain. He simply says to them he'd like to pray with them and tells them that no doubt God was grieving with them in that moment. The gift of prophecy is gently expressed. This powerfully comforts all three in this tender prayer time. While that time of prayer is happening, a young man is staring at his phone while others stream out of the auditorium. The message included the dangers of excessive screen time, he, but he's caught in the spirit of the he's caught the spirit of the message. His giving can't wait. He's on his banking app and he's heard of a need and he can't wait to play his part in giving. He's already giving monthly. This is just his favorite, meeting others' financial needs. All the while, the busy bees of setup, sound, kids rock, and the life group serving are setting things down after a great time together, the gift of serving on clear display. Outside in the, chur- the church, the cafe, outside in the cafe, the church is buzzing with coffee and conversation. New people are being skillfully connected with by a community of a few that have the special gift of hospitality. They're making strangers to feel like friends. Months pass, and new joys and new trials have come and gone in the community. But this time, it's in the life group where the grieving couple are sharing their story of how God met them in their time of need and pain. They exercise their gift of encouragement to take the group out of a growing sense of self-centeredness into a space of seeing God and loving Him. They share how their historic pain wasn't only about the loss of a loved one. In that time of prayer, the person that prayed for them was from a race group that they vowed they would never interact with again because of other historic pains they'd experienced. They shared how in one sense they were more broken than ever, but in another they were feeling more whole and healed than ever. That same night, in another life group, the group are all gathered on a windy, slightly uncomfortable cold beach, some arriving from work in their work clothes, unwilling to miss the baptism of their newest member of the group, who first gave God a chance when at an addiction recovery group that a friend from church suggested. That friend had shared how God had revealed himself through a similar season. It's now, after this evangelistic gift had been expressed, the life group leader uses her gift of leadership to create a moment on the windy beach that makes everyone aware of the presence of God in this baptism. Amazingly, as the person emerges from the water, everyone is made freshly aware of the amazing kindness and grace of God, of the journey of becoming like Jesus that lies ahead, and feel freshly confident and excited to build relationships with those who don't believe in Jesus, trusting that God will also call them to trust Him to live in His kingdom. This is our story. These are stories that are emerging in our community. And we're just trusting that there are so many more to come because we exist, because we just keep doing the same thing with a passion to fill our hearts and our world with the message, the life, the fame of Jesus. 
how just by being in God's presence, by being formed into His image, and by loving people with the message and the mercy of Jesus. Let's stand. Jesus, this morning, this balmy, hot morning, we choose to just be present to you. We choose to respond to you. We choose to say yes to being part of filling our world, filling our hearts with the message of Jesus, with the life of Jesus. Won't you help us to that end? Won't you empower us by your Spirit? Won't you make us the kind of people who discover our gifts and learn to contribute and care in increasingly meaningful and deep ways? Thanks for this church. Thanks for this community. I thank you for two years whereby COVID was so brutal, and yet you've forged us, you've fortified us, you've, you've made us a, a community of love. And I pray that you would make us a deepening community of love, each of us learning to love each other and love the world better. We can't do this alone. We are incredibly ordinary, and so we need your love. We need your help to form us into your image. As we sing this song, hear our hearts as we say yes to your call. Not a leader's vision, but the true leader, the true king's vision, Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus.